All right, please open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we will be picking right back up where we left off there in verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. So, if you've been following along with us, or if you're here the first time, just know we started uh, chapter 12 last week, and Paul notes some of the key spiritual gifts uh, that are given to believers uh, by the Holy Spirit, that we are gifted, given abilities, uh, ministries, operations of those gifts in a way that is supernaturally natural. It is something that you don't create. No one can teach it to you. No one can coach you through it. It is given supernaturally to you. And it's a very natural. When it's God-given, it is natural. And it's it's joyful and it's peaceful. And you're just compelled to do those things. And you don't even know it yourself. There's so many believers I have found that they don't even know what their gift is. And I can clearly see it. So as we go through the word, God is so faithful to teach us and to reveal to us what our gift or gifts he's given you for, not for you, as we learned last week, but for the body, for all. It's to be used in the body of Christ that you're part of. And we're going to continue to see that as Paul will continue to discuss it. We saw nine uh, gifts last week, verses 8 through 10. Today we will see five more gifts added and repeated, and some of them are repeated also, uh, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which operates in the body of Christ through individuals. And he has given us gifts for his purpose in his ministries in the body, and that is so important for us to understand and be open and ready to be willing vessels as God moves and uses you in the lives of others within the body, and how miraculous and beautiful that is when God is moving. Now here in verse 12, we will see right in the very beginning, there is the, t- the title, as you will see, the diversity and the unity in one body. That these gifts that God has given to us, is, uh, there's very diverse, but it brings unity of the body. It doesn't bring division. It doesn't bring separation. If it's the Holy Spirit moving and using that gift in your life, it will bring unity within the body. That is a key indicator for us. So as you see God moving, as we learned last week, if you see in any form or fashion a division or a fraction or some other, you've got to check your heart. You've got to check what's going on or you've got to check what is being before you receive it because God is all about keeping diversity but bringing unity for the purpose of the body. And it's good and it's right. When God is moving. So in here, verse 12 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So Paul, right here in the very beginning in verse 12, it will touch on a point that he addressed in chapter 1, as you remember. Back in chapter 1, he rebuked the Corinthian believers for their carnal division that was happening within the church. They were living by the flesh. They were allowing the, 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 uh, the world to creep in and to, to permeate into uh, the church. And that is never to happen. 
The way the, 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 the masses are going, the way the, the progressives are thinking, and the way the things that are going contrary to the word of God cannot come into the church, and we must fight to keep it out of the church. And we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit being in check with you personally first. And then when you are in check with the Holy Spirit and you're in line with the word of God, and then you allow God to work through your life in this body, God is going to help that body stay healthy, the sheep to stay healthy, the sheep to not have a cancerous issue going on. The wolves will not stay. The wolves comes in, the shepherd takes care, the sheep starts, wow, wow, you know, they're just going off crazy, letting you know there's something not right. And when you hear that, you know, going on, you just know. You look up, what's happening here? And the Spirit moves, and He will take care of the situation through the body of Christ. But we must be committed to the things of God, the ways of God. We cannot deviate regardless of how we feel or what the society and community is saying to us. We must always stay in line with what the Word of God says. And here in chapter 12, he again touches on the issue of this, this division that is, was happening in the body. And he again reminds them that they are part of one body. You're not part of an organization made up of multiple departments or organizations. You're stovepiped. That cannot happen in the body. Because when you're like an organization, you have stovepipes and people are all separate and don't talk and communicate. And they're only looking out for their own interests and own thing and climbing the ladders and all these other things that the world does outside of the church. We should never allow that to come into the church. It should never be part of your thinking in the church. Because we're one body and we're going to see, yes, made up of many members. But we are one body and that is so important because, yes, diversity, but unity in that one body. Because everything we do, as God works through each of us, he gives us those different gifts, those different ministry of operations, and they are still one entity for the purpose of the kingdom of God. We stay focused on the mission. We don't let anyone deviate from that. And when we watch that video, I am just stirred up in my soul to reach the youth of this community. That I am praying, praying without ceasing for someone to rise up that I can, it's going to come along and have a like-mindedness with us. And we are, as a body, are going to use that radio station. We're going to use that Dove Center for a youth center to be able to bring as many youth in to train them up to the ways of the Lord. But that takes workers Workers are few. Are you willing vessels ready to be used through the gifts that God has given you to reach the youth of this community? I hope so. And when you're ready and he's prepared you, you need to let me know because I'm not going to look out for you. I'm just going to wait until God stirs you up and brings you to me because that's how we operate here. I don't dictate nothing. I wait for God to do a work in your life and you just raise your hands and God, I think God is putting this in my heart. Great, let's talk, let's pray, let's seek the Lord and see if it's of Him because that's we go. Because you understand here at Calvary Chapel, we do only four things. We create opportunities for fellowship. We create opportunities for us to pray with one another and for one another. We break bread together, we fellowship together, we serve together, and we study the Word together. Acts 2.42, that's all we do, that's all I do. 
Everything else is God working through your life, stirring up the gift or gifts in your life, and then we come alongside you to help you move what God wants to do in your life. And it's a beautiful thing how he does that. And it's so freeing because God is doing that work. Many members, but one body, one purpose, one focus is to reach the lost and to disciple and encourage the brothers and sisters in the faith. And he will give us the ability and the giftings to do that. You know, that one body, though many members, is just like that human body. That's why Paul is using this, this illustration, this analogy. And it's that every cell in a human body is linked by a common root. What is that root? The DNA code. That DNA. That, that core of who Christ is and how he's working. It's the same thing in the human body. That DNA takes all these independent cells and works them for the common good for that body to operate healthy and wise. Yet the body of the parts of the body are members, like different members, and are treated differently. They work differently. They accomplish different purposes within the body. And it's the same thing for our spiritual body. We all are differences in, in different gifts in different ways. But God is, knows that because he created you for a purpose and a plan for his world. And as he does that, he brings us together to do that, what he wants to accomplish. And they don't compete with one another. They don't strive against one another. Because that has to work together if that body is going to be healthy and to work. Both in appearance and function must be common denominator is it staying focused on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen? We don't deviate from Jesus. We don't deviate from the word of God. That is so key for us here as a body of believers here at Calvary Chapel. That we do not deviate. And if we do see it. We lovingly come alongside. You lovingly come alongside your brother and sister and bring them back to the foundation. Bring them back to the scripture so that they can understand that something's, one of the, one of the members is going a little stray. And we want to help you to bring you back to what the word of God says. Verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So we see here in verse 13, this body-like analogy or the body-like unity of Christians is not a goal to achieve. It's a fact that we must recognize. So many people, oh, we have to have unity, we have to have unity, We're going to, we can do it, we can do it. No, 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 you, you got it wrong. We are <laughs> we am. You know, it's, a, it's a fact. We just have to make sure we're in line with what God has already done. That's it. It's very simple. Some people say, I, I, I want to serve, I want to serve, I want to love, I want to love Christ. I wanna... it's, not, do you, it's not that you have to. It's because you want to. We want to serve our Lord. We want to have that relationship. We want to have a deeper relationship. We want to serve... Not because we have to, because no one tells us, to, shouldn't be telling you anything. You let the Spirit of God tell you. Now, be obedient to the Word of God, right? Be obedient to the Spirit of God. When He says move, you better move. Immediate obedience is the only way. Procrastination, when God says move, is always painful. 
<laughs> if you don't do what he's telling you to do. So we, we see this. We, we're all baptized into one body. And it doesn't matter if you're what religious background, if you're Jews or you were never even part of a religious system. It doesn't matter if you are poor as can be or as rich as can be, slave or free. We all have been brought into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit himself. Now these passages have a tendency for some as they study these, these verses can sometimes just focus in and may not completely understand the context of what Paul is saying here. And have led many to regard baptism as some sort of an initiation ceremony into the community of Christians. Are you, are you a believer? Yes. Have you been baptized? You haven't been baptized? You haven't been baptized by our church? Those words are not in line with the scripture. If you're a born-again believer, that is how you're saved, right? By faith alone in Christ alone. That's the only way you're saved. Baptism is not how you get saved. It's just an outward expression of those who are witnesses of what God has already done in your heart. And it doesn't define you if you've been baptized or not, right? But so many times people look at this and say, hey, you have not been baptized? Ah, are you sure you're part of the Christian community? Or they'll say this is proof that all Christians are baptized in the Spirit. But the idea that baptism is primarily the initiation ceremony into the church has led some to actually take that and bring it to something that's not scriptural. And the best example I can give you is those who say, we must baptize our infants because there's, I can't believe we wouldn't want to include them as part of the body of Christ. See, they've taken that, the scripture about being baptized and being in the body, and if these babies come in, we must baptize them. Well, you understand as I do. You can, the only meaning of baptism if you're a born-again believer and that you understand and know who Jesus Christ is and the forgiveness of sins. The sprinkling ain't going to help. The dunking of the kid is not going to help. So we want to make sure we keep it in context of what the scripture says here. Now, while this may be an aspect of baptism, it's not the main point that he's talking about here. The main idea behind Christian baptism is the identification of the believer in his immersion into Jesus Christ. Romans 6, verses 3 through 5. That is what we need to keep focused on. Acts 1.5, we see that there's even another type of baptism. We see that Jesus told his disciples they would be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit himself. 1 Corinthians 10.2, we already studied that, that the baptism of Moses refers to those who followed him through the cloud and Red Sea. We also see in Luke chapter 7, verse 29, and of course, John's baptism is the baptism of what? Repentance. So we know there's different baptisms here. But here, Paul does not have any mind of water baptism at all. He's talking about the spirit baptism. He's talking for, he says, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. So Paul here is writing of the common immersion of all of us as believers have in the Holy Spirit and in Jesus. And you can go back and read Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 as well. And in verse 14, we see that Paul says, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And we have to remember that. That yes, we are made up of multiple people here. Your background 
your diversity, where you lived, your, your, your life story, your age, your, your, your religious background, or you came from no religious background like me. All of that diversity. But you, we find that so many people want to hold on to that diversity in a way that they feel like they're losing their identity. But, but you have to understand your identity is not what country you came from or what state you came from, or what nationality you came from, or what age group you come that, that None of that matters, does it? it? Your identity is the fact that you're a child of God. And you and I must always focus on that as we're interacting and working with people that there's only one human race. There's only one blood. There's only one body. And as long as you keep that, it really is very... Very loving aspect, the fact that it's just, we're so diverse. And I love it when we gather together because we get to know each other's stories and we're like, we would have never met outside of Christ. <laughs> we would have never been having double dipping in some of this dip here that we're really enjoying. And, you know, you got a little food right there and get that off the, you know, that little spill. We would have never been together. But when we sit there, we look at each other, we're just like, it's like family. It is family. We're just, we're just, but we're so diverse in our conversations too. Oh, I love men's fellowship. Man, just sitting back and, and just having a meal, just listening to people's, just how different people have different views of the same subject matter. And it's just so wonderful. Because God is, is the glue, is the, is the unifying effect that, we're going to be worshiping. I, I don't know about you. I, I just, a, a sweet time of, of worshiping and singing to the Lord today. To hear your voices and to the diversity of voices. I know, I, I, trust me, I already pinpoint, I'm, I'm hearing some voices I already know are going to be coming up here soon to be joining Joe. I just know it because God's given you a voice. No doubt about it. But what a beautiful thing, the fact that there is many members and you we're not looking to to change you of of your background but to bring you into the you know to a healthy understanding of what God wants to do in your in, in and through your life for that diversity for the sake of his body and for the community he brings us into we see in verse 15 Paul continues it with an elaboration, kind of this, with this illustration of the body. In verse 15, he says, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Of course not. Of course it's part of the body. Just because you, you, don't, you say that doesn't mean it's true. I mean, of course it's part of the body. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set, key, key word here, but God, but now God has set the members, each one of them, each one of you and I, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? 
But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. <laughs> you know, imagine the foot if just had a feeling. The foot was just going based on feelings. I know that doesn't happen, does it? Men, you go on feelings, yeah. But imagine if the foot felt or declared itself not part of the body because it was not a hand. I'm not a hand. That hand can do all kinds of things. Grab things, pick up things, beat its feet. Oh, man, I wish I was a hand. But I'm a foot. Most of the time I have to cover the foot because it smells. I'm just, you know, people get a little offended sometimes when I show up. <laughs> but imagine if the foot says, I'm not part of the body. I don't want to be part of the body because I'm not like the hand. Imagine what it would do to the body. Because that would just be foolish. It would be a mistake. Diversity does not disqualify one from the body. Paul puts a very big question here in the mouth of everyone who's listening and reading of this. Paul is basically saying to the, the readers here in Corinth, is saying, for those of you back there in Corinth, you believers, if you feel you're excluded from the body, that you're just not fit in the body, that take a look. Because you, if you're a believer, you are part of the body. That's not a question. It's just a feeling. You're, you must understand that it's just a feeling. And you have to recognize it's a fact that you're part of the body. But you're not going to be like the rest of the body. It's diverse members. But for the same purpose. But some people, some Christians, some believers say, I don't have this certain spiritual gift. I guess I'm not part of the body of Christ. After all, hands and eyes seem more important and more glamorous than the feet or the ears. But Paul is sitting here wants to come across to those who feel excluded to know they are indeed members of the body and their sense that they are not is just as foolish as the foot of the or the ear that feels excluded. Now, there's another part of this that you can take a look at and, and take a see of a, around the same principle that can be stated towards those who wanted who want to exclude others from the body. Paul wants Christians who might exclude others because they don't appreciate their place in the body to recognize the fact of unity. Unfortunately, some churches over time have, have emphasized a particular gift, and, and if you don't have that gift, then, then they don't look at you, at you as being saved or spirit-filled or spirit-led. And so they, they, they say, well, until you have that gift, then I'm, I'm, we're, we're just going to keep an eye on you. But that's not scriptural. That's not truth. Because as we learned last week, not everyone has been given the same gift or gifts. Imagine if we're all feet. <laughs> It'd be pretty smelly fellowship. Imagine if everyone wants to be the mouth or everyone wants to be the head. 
Taking Christ's position is never good in the body of Christ. So we see Paul coming across and making it very clear. Not only is this diversity of the body of Jesus Christ acceptable, it is essential. The body cannot work properly if all hands or all feet or all eyes or ears, whatever it may be. The body must have different parts and gifts or it will not work effectively as a body. But keep in mind, my brothers and sisters, verse 18. But God set you in the body. He has personally taken you and placed you exactly where he wants you to be for his purpose because it pleases him. Do you see the danger Verse 25 is really the only danger that most people think in the scripture here in verse 12, a danger of being division. But I see that as also a warning to us. At any time in our lives where we think we can just pick up and move our little member self to somewhere else because God is, you know, because whatever, God wasn't moving you to do that. Be very careful because God wants to move you. God is going to lead you. And it's going to be good because it will please him. And that's what we want, do we not? We want the designer, the creation of the universe, the creation of you, yourself, to understand that God has placed you and wants to, we want to please the designer to, where however he designed it, however he wants to look like in that body. And when you keep that perspective that God is the one that's taking you, he's giving you the gift, he's placing where he wants you to do, and it's going to require faith because he, you're like, what is God doing in my life? Why are we choosing and moving and going? Why is he moving us and putting a pressure to you? And you just have to go by faith and know that God is leading you to do what he wants to do through your life using the gift or gifts he's given you for the body of where he's going to place you. And when you do that, you can't walk in, I can't walk in, and all of a sudden say, man, I have arrived people. God has brought me here and he's given me these gifts and he's going to do great things through it. That can be true, but you have to be very careful of spiritual pride then. Because it wasn't you at all coming in in your abilities and gifts to do it. He's given you that gift. He's the one that's placed you. He's what it pleases you. You and I have to live humbly and with meekness to, to say, God, help me just be obedient to what he's going to, you're going to do with, through my life. And not to be have pride stir up because I'm a hand. Thank God I'm not a foot. No, no, that's pride. And we must be very careful as well. Because there's no shame in being a foot. I don't know if you've ever stubbed your foot or hurt your foot and foot been, you quickly realize how important that foot is. Each serves the pleasure of the designer. And then in the design, we see the wisdom of the designer because everyone has something, but nobody has everything, do we? We humbly are just, oh, thank you, Lord, for even be willing to use me, to even give me a gift for your purpose and plan. 
The Lord has planted each of us where we need to be and where we'll function the most effectively according to his will, for his purpose, according to his way, and not ours. That is so important for us to know. In verse 21, we see it continues here, and he says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, which is division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Here Paul writes to those tempted to pride and that sense of superiority because of the gift or the gifts God is using through in, in through their lives in the body. And it, pride starts coming up. They think they just seem so, so important and they're the more important person. Because, and that's the dangers in some of the, the gifts that are out there. Because it can change a person's heart and just being praising and honoring God. They, they, t- they think it's, they're something special. But God doesn't see it that he, he, he has the, should get the full glory and honor. Because what happens is when you have this, this sentence come out of your mouth, I have no need of you, that is a very important thing to recognize that you have this independence attitude of arrogance that must be dealt with. And that arrogance that I am something and I don't need you and I can do it all myself, you must repent. Because that is not of God. And remember that God is the one that has given. And he has given to you. He can also remove it. Because what he has given you has, he has great expectations. And also the authority to have accountability to make sure you use that gift and gifts. And if you don't, it can be very uncomfortable. And those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. There's not one part of our body that's not necessary. And I know, I'm in the medical world. Some people say, well, you can take that appendix out. Take those tonsils. Yeah, we can operate with it. But you have no idea. You're like, you're the creator, the designer of your body or something just because you you still function? It's just the grace of God. You can continue without that organ. But he just gets all the honor and glory when there is a member taken and removed and that you can still be functioning and you can still be used by God. Joni Erickson Todd is a great example, is she not? 
celebrating and praising God for 50 years of quadriplegic from the neck down. 50 years. Look at how God has used her and the gift that God has given her in the lives of thousands upon thousands around the world. That's the mercies and the grace of God, is it not? Some people will look at her and say, what value can you give to society? You can't move a finger. You can't move a toe. You can barely move your head. What value do you have to society? She is a perfect example of God's grace and mercy and strength working through her, and she's a powerful instrument in the hands of God. So when we look at the body, it's, oh, you know, where do I fit? I don't know, big deal. I'm, I, I, I just, I love helping. What? It's no big deal. It's a big deal. Because it's a gift that God has given you for the purpose of his body to take care. Can you imagine, men, if God didn't give you your helper? You'd be, you'd be dead. Most of you guys would be dead by now because if it wasn't for your wives, you would have never, you would have starved. But God gives the necessary gifts and gifts to be able to help the body. Regardless if it's weak, regardless if it's not honorable or it's honorable. Imagine if you say it, the less honorable. We don't see it. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening. What's their purpose? I'm not sure what they do in the body. Can you imagine if you didn't, because you didn't see the lungs, you got rid of the lungs. Imagine your heart was removed. What would happen to you? What happens if your intestines are removed? What would happen to you? Those are less desirable. Yeah, let's pull out your intestines and hand it around and let's talk to your intestines. You're like, I don't want to see my innards. But imagine if you didn't have those innards. Paul is saying all are necessary and essential to the life of you and those of the body as a whole. Because God composed the body. Next time you talk to someone who says, oh, God didn't create you. Take him to the verse. God composed the body. It's right there. But what he does say is when we do bring the members and the vessels to come together as one body, they must do it in unity, a oneness. Because if not, then the body has a tendency to come into a lot of pain when it doesn't work properly. You've all been in pain before. And so when he says that there should be no schisms or division or split in the body, God's perspective or illustration of the body is so important for you and I to understand that this danger that we can see, as a body comes and gathers together and for the purpose of, of serving Christ and to, to, to do what he's called us to do, there is no hierarchy in the body. The body is all equal. They're all one. Because if one part of the body thinks it has a higher hierarchical or can dominate or be separated or be called division within the body, then what we call that today in our human body is called cancer. It starts going against the other parts of your body. 
It starts deteriorating because it's gone rogue. It's gone away from separate. It's been affected. The DNA is no longer unifying. It is starting to cause problems and decay, and, and it gets really ugly. Do you let the, the decaying cancer stay in the human body? No, it's got to be radiated. It's got to be cut out. It's got to be dealt with, or it will lead to death. It's the same thing in the spiritual body. If there, is, if there cannot be division, there cannot be splits, there cannot be this, 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 this part of the body that says, I'm coming to the body, I love the, the fellowship, it's a great time, it's awesome, and I can get this from it, and I can get that from it, and I can get over this from it, and I can, I can get ahead with this from it. Those are dangerous conversations in your head. Because it's never about coming as a body to what you can get. It is what you are going to give and contribute. That is what the body is supposed to be doing. Because if one body member starts taking from another, and it's not the way it was designed, it can cause a lot of pain. So as a body, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, you gotta, you got to die of self. Don't try to take over. Don't cause splits. Don't cause division. Schisms are not good for the body because it will hurt the other members of the body. In verse 27, God, and we see Paul saying that uh, these gifts and these callings that he puts on your life, that's according to his pleasure. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings and helps and administrations and a variety of tongues. Verse 29, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak in, with tongues? No. Do all interpret? Absolutely not. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet, and yet, Paul says, I show you a more excellent way, which is love. And we will learn about that in chapter 13. Now imagine you have a headache. Massive headache. Does your foot turn around and say, Head, get your act together. We have a 10-miler we need to run. I've been looking for it for, for weeks now, training to run a 10-miler, and now you get a headache. Get over yourself and let's keep going. Is that what your foot says? No, the headache affects every aspect of your body. And you'll be able to function and how the other members function. When one hurts, the whole body suffers. <laughs> In some families, if mama not happy, nobody happy. You know what I'm saying? When she's not feeling good, nobody. Every, it affects the members of the family. But we also know that now it's if you run a 10-miler, 
You've run that race. You've won the race. You're celebrating. Everyone's rejoicing the fact that you won the 10-miler. Does your arm complain or get upset because your legs are actually moved you to, to win? Does your head sit there and say, I, I'm not rejoicing at all. I'm pretty disappointed the fact that you won the 10 mile. No, the whole body celebrates. Have you ever seen anyone win? They don't walk in and the legs do a little happy dance. The arms are flying. The, heads are flying. the whole body celebrates what went well of the win. We're a body. When we hear someone in this body is suffering, we, might, we will all suffer. And we will unite around that brother or sister. And when someone God uses in a mighty way that brings incredible glory to God, and God is using that person in such a mighty way, what do we do? We don't sit there and say, yeah. I'm sure it's because of his wife is the only reason why he did it. You know, No, no. You're, we're all going to celebrate what God is doing through that person's life and the gift and the gifts that he used to do it. We're one body. Why would there be any divisions or any splits or any favoritism or any of those kinds of things in the body when you're one body? Let us celebrate what God is doing through each of our lives. And let us encourage and come along and carry the burdens of those who are suffering and help those in need. Because that is love. It's the more excellent way. Now, when we take a look at the apostles, we know that this is number 10. Remember, we saw 9 apostles is the tenth one we haven't seen these special ambassadors of the church Paul and others in this day had this unique apostles, apostolic authority which will never be repeated because the foundation of the church has already been laid and you can go back and read Ephesians 2.20 yes God still has his special ambassadors you and I in the church today that go out and start up a new works and do things that of a like an apostles, but the does, we do not have that same authority as the original apostles. We see now Paul brings up number eleven, the eleventh one of the of the gifts called prophets for those particularly called to speak forth for God with the gift of prophecy. This person is directed by the inspiration of God to proclaim His will. In the church. This is very unique. It was a foundational authority that God gave prophets at that time. We see that also in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 and 20. However, God does and has raised up to those to speak to the church and to the world with a special blessing and power to go out like a prophet. But if someone takes on the title, I'm a prophet... Or someone says, that is a prophet, then you hold them to the same standard as what the word of God says, which we find in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 20 and 22. Those prophets, if they take that title, if they claim to be a prophet, then they must hold to that standard. And the standard in Deuteronomy we see is what? A hundred percent 
accuracy in every word they say. And if they're not 100% accurate in every word they say, they're a false prophet, you do not listen. Are you with me? Amen? First, next, next one. Teachers. Number, thir- tw- number 12 that he brings up are those who teaches the word of God. Helping believers to grow and to mature and to establish them in the Christian faith. That is what a gift God gives some, some people to teach the word of God. Teachers are incredibly important strategically within the body to help that body to learn and mature and grow in their faith. Workers of miracles. Those used to, of God to do miracles. And we saw that last week. A biblical pattern for miracles is to be done on the Holy Spirit's initiative, not the initiative of the individual. And we saw that last week. Number 13 is helps. This has in mind those who help or assist others in doing the work of the Lord. Spurgeon said something very, really cool about this. Describing the qualities of someone who is effective in the gift of help. Someone you know has been given the gift of help. All I have to do is watch. Because no one has to be told to do something to help someone. They automatically, God, it drives them to help. You don't have to say, anyone who says that, well, you didn't ask me to help. Trust me, that person does not have the help of, gift of helps, okay? You don't have to tell anyone who has a gift of helps to see. To, and here's, here's how Spurgeon uh, sees the characteristics of someone with a gift of help. He says, a tender heart to really care, number one criteria. A quick eye to see the need. A quick foot to get to the needy. A loving face to cheer them and bless them. A firm foot so you will not fall yourself. And a strong hand to grip the needy with. And a bent back to reach the man. When I see those characteristics in someone, I know they have God-given gift of helps. Because you can't train them to do that. You can't force them to do that. That is just supernaturally, naturally given by God through them to do it. And it's an incredible and beautiful thing to watch God. And it's so critical in the body that God give gifts of helps because that gift comes alongside, as we see in the scripture, comes alongside in anything and everything. There's no boundaries. There's no, they come along and they assist the teacher, the pastor, the deacons in the work of the Lord. They take off that burden and that allow things to move and to move freely and, to, and help those in need that are, are not able to help themselves. They fill in that gap that seems to always be there and things that have to, I, I can take care of that. I can, I can go over here. And I have just this person in my mind that I know has been given the gift of helps, a brother of mine back in, in California. It is such a clear example, uh, Tom, is in regards to the gift of helps. You just turn around and say, who, who took care of that? that? I know that was a problem right there. Oh, you didn't see Tom? He just kind of zoop, got it done, walked out. You, you don't even see. There's no one knows. He just, it, he just takes care of it. He just helps. He sees it without even having to be told. Number 14 is ministrations. 
is a gift that supports the operations of the church to lead, to steer, to guide, to govern the body. Some have given the gift of administrations to help do that, to keep order. God is a God of order, and he gives gifts of administration to help within that body. Paul talks about the fact that do all speak with tongues. Paul plainly, meaningly focuses on the fact that the gift of tongues is not for every believer, just as the gifts of apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the working of miracles and healings. All, not everyone has those same gifts. But he says at the very end, earnestly desire the best gifts. Though the Holy Spirit gives the gifts, it is good and proper for us to desire them, to ask for them, all in submission to the plan of God, not to accomplish your plans, but for the purpose, God, I see there's a need in the body. I don't know who has that gift. I want to have that gift to be able to help in that need. I can see the need there. Give me that gift, Lord. I, I want to have that, I have that desire to do that. And if it lines up with his will, he will give you that gift. And you will supernaturally, naturally be doing what God's going to be putting in your heart to do. Diversity and unity must be balanced with maturity. And that maturity comes with love. You can only be live in diversity if you're united in love. You can only keep unity if there is love. Marriage is a perfect example, is it not? Two individuals, usually completely opposites. <laughs> and you only can do it with the help of God. And then to keep that unity, that unity has to be in love. It can't be of, out of fear. Because you know as well as I do, you can keep someone in some place by fear for only so long until they overcome that fear. It must be, unity must be in love. To work together in diversity has to be in love. And we will see that next week as we study 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because we have to focus on love and not the gifts themselves. The gifts will merely, are ways we express and receive love from God and one another. Gifts are just tools in the master's hands to express love to you and to one another. And there's three key points to walk away when we go into communion about diversity and unity in one body. Three key points. We belong to each other. We're one body the church body. We affect each other and we need each other. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, illuminate again, illuminate to us even more. As we meditate on your word, we go back into your word today and we just meditate on and we discuss it with our wives, our husbands, as we discuss it with our children as we've woken up this morning and as we're getting ready to go to sleep, may your word be on our tongue. Talking and to you and to others about the things you've revealed to us. 
listening with listening ears to know from you how to apply what we've learned to our lives. That it would be create and mature us to a point of, as we will see, the fruit of the spirit of love. Oh, we thank you for the work you've done in and through our lives this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.